and welcome to the Painter by Quarterly Slush Pile. We do the work of curating so you don't have to. Um, we're sharing our editorial board with you in this manner. We uh, get submissions. We read through submissions. When we see something that looks like it would be a great conversation for the podcast, we reach out to the authors and ask them, if we can use their work. And then we uh, do our editorial meeting on air. Um, so that's what we're about to do right now. And the we and the I speaking right now is uh, Kathleen Volkmiller. Um, we always ask everybody where they are. And we've done this for more, well, it was a year in March. So wow. a year and seven months or so. And um, this is the first time that I'm calling in remotely from my home. So, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's so exciting. Uh, That's very exciting. Yes, yes. So I'm up in my third floor bedroom slash office. Wow. In, in a different shade of blue. And um, yeah, it, it's just amazing that what we can do technologically wise. So here I am and um, I'm uh, director of the graduate program in publishing and um, an essayist and a teacher at Drexel University. And um, I don't know where to go next. I'll go to, since we're all remote, everybody's floating in space. It's so, so bizarre. Weird. I'll go to Marion. Hi, I'm so glad you're coming to me. I feel like, what was that that show, Lost in Space, with everybody sort of like tethered and floaty? Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, I am, I'm sitting in my house in Abu Dhabi, um, and I am looking out at a, at a dark campus. The lights are on, and I kid you not, there is a dance party happening um, at the foot of my apartment building. No uh, way. It is the open studios night here at the art center. So all of the sort of arts faculty opened up their studios. Students are showing their work. Students have put art on their bodies. They're painted. Um, it's pretty extraordinary. And now the DJs are DJing and there's a light installation that is turning the windows of the dorm into a sort of rainbow constellation of oh my goodness. squares. Wow. It, is, it is extraordinary. So that's where I'm calling you from, dear PBQ peoples. XOXO, Marion. <laughs> if, if you weren't with us, would you be down there dancing? Oh, listen, I was just down there dancing, and that's the joy of living on campus. I was two minutes away from being able to podcast you. Yeah, so. well, it sounds like it'll still be going when we're done, and you'll be able to pop back down. <laughs> I'm just going to dance on my balcony and scare everyone. <laughs> Bless. <laughs> So, and I'm going to bounce it over to Jason. Jason, are you there? I am here. I Hello. am in Tribeca. Um, I am back in my office trying a new oh. method of calling in on my phone. Um, but all is, is going well here. Um, it's, it's been a little stressful since the terrorist attack. But, um, I mean, it didn't really affect us, but it was sort of like it was on our turf, basically. Like, we lost our, our entrance for a while. and It was just kind of a little hard. Yeah. That's where I am. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. But you're in your office right now. You're in trip. I am in my office. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and it's a beautiful office and I'm very happy in my little cocoon. Okay. Well good. Um, Joseph, are you Hello? in fifty twenty seven? I am in fifty twenty seven in my office, right below a giant poster of the slush pile icon. <laughs> a poster detailing how to tell if your cat is plotting to kill you. 
<laughs> yeah. Your cat is always potting to kill you. I love my cat. <laughs> I have one back home. But it doesn't love you. It's a psychopathic killer. It's just waiting for you to die. Wow. I don't think you know Jerry like that. Thanks. <laughs> I just, I just heard a very interesting um, PR. It was a repeat. I've heard it before. This woman's like a cat whisperer, mm-hmm. and and I, you know, and and I learned something that we all already know. Like the basic thing is that cats are creatures of place. Dogs are creature are social. So if you take, that's why you, you always see people taking their dogs out and about in the world because as long as they have their master. They're fine, no matter what they do, right? Mm-hmm. That bonding thing is there. But your cat doesn't love you, Joseph. It oh. just loves its space, and it won't trust you if you take it out of the house. Word. Yeah. Oh. Basically, cats, like, dogs are basically in, like, weird S&M relationships with their owners. <laughs> but they're, like... They're like subs. They're like, hi, 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 hi. Um, whereas like cats are like actually like Marquis de Sade sadists. Like they're just like provide for me. Wow. I'm yeah. sorry. I don't know your cat. I should not be saying this thing. Yeah. No. I, I have a cat because she's a great mouser. So, My cat was a good mouser. Yeah. 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 Because um, she's a killing machine. Exactly. <laughs> That's why I have a cat because she kills mice. Oh. That's kind of gross, but it's yeah. like farm life. You it's know? a good reason to have a cat. <laughs> yeah, worker animal. Wow. Yeah. So Marion's cat is like a dog in that she runs to the door when you come home, and she never shuts the. Uh, no, she doesn't. And when you have a cocktail party, she sits next to the wine glasses and makes sure to give everybody like the evil eye. <laughs> 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 and she doesn't like to be like looked away from. She really likes to be at the center of things. But my, I think my, my chief delight is watching her um, and her chew toy, which is a stuffed doll of um, Putin. And it's rootin' tootin' Putin. Uh, and it's got a little catnip in his n- naked belly. And she just, you know... Man handles the root and toot and Putin. So, wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Root so there's that. Yeah. She likes it. Um, um, listen, there is no segue here. There's absolutely no. But, but I, I, I have an epiphany that I need to share. Um, and and Marianne, you don't have to respond immediately. You need to just meditate on this, okay, and allow the universe okay. to give you the answer. Okay. But I was thinking about the fact that we're going to Tampa in March. Mm-hmm. And even saying Tampa makes you want to go Tampa, right? Like I don't know. There's something about it. And then I was also thinking at the other time, there's another trail of thoughts thinking about how you have been, you know, probably like there's less places you have left to explore. Right. I mean, you're freaking, you know, rolling around in mud in the dead sea. And, and, and I was like, somehow I had this thought and I realized Marion's never been to Disney world. I have not. I have not been to Disney World. 
<laughs> oh, Kathleen. I, I, do, you, do you have any idea how horrifying Disney World is as an adult? Shut up, shut no. up, shut up. <laughs> is it really? Okay, so basically, Disney World only makes sense because I people hate their children know. so much that they just need them placated. <laughs> oh, like, if you need a place where your children are just placated and you just need to surrender all control hey, over hey, every aspect of your life, hey. Disney World is right there for you. Hey, hold no, on. No, I no. Also, I also, took his children to Disney World. Okay, Man, I have I also have never done. Kingdom. I've never done shrooms. So can we combine the two? <laughs> what? <laughs> hold up. Where no. is that connection coming from? No. So, so we just, we're done. just going to talk about breaking the law now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're no, just going to talk about breaking the law on a podcast. We're going to go uh, a day early. <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna go to, and we're gonna go to the Magic Kingdom. We're, we're, and we're gonna questing. actually skip towards the castle. <laughs> we're gonna vision quest at Disney. That's what's gonna happen. Yeah. Okay. Did I tell you about my student? Did I tell you about my student who did the mushrooms and got no. kicked out of school because he went on a naked rampage across campus oh. and bit someone's ear off, like oh, no. Mike Tyson style? Oh no! I'm I'm surprised to hear about part two. People always get naked on mushrooms, but he bit somebody's ear. Jesus, Jason. Yeah, well, he was attacking people. Oh my! Okay. And I just I, I I know that I'm a wealth of positivity this morning. You really okay, are. maybe maybe just the Mickey Mouse hat. That's all I really need. A little no, bit of no, no, it'll be great. To skip toward the Magic Castle. Okay. No, naked? you you should go. You'll have fun. It'll be great. Okay. Not naked. Wear your clothes. It's full of children. Do not, like, do not get naked at the Magic Kingdom. You'll be a sex offender. You'll have to register everywhere you go. Like, don't, don't do it. I love you, people. Yeah. Okay. That's decided. Right. <laughs> the universe already gave you its answer. Yes. All right. There is no benevolent universe. What is this whole universe giving you an answer thing? The universe doesn't care about you. Jason, the universe is orchestrated to like right out of this. (laughs) (laughs) All right, but the universe cares about poetry a lot, and we have two amazing poems tonight to discuss on this podcast and debate their merits and decide on publication. So, how's that for a segue? (laughs) Yeah, it's a beautiful segue. Okay, that very was good. Perfect. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. So today we have two poems by Aaron Adair Hodges. And um, uh, uh, you know what? I'm going to ask Jason to read this. And maybe he'll like calm down. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <Okay. laughs> wow. The first one, Jason. The, the benediction for. No, we're down in Aaron Adair Hodges in Barstow. In Barstow. I'm sorry. Okay. Aaron Adair (laughs) Hodges in Barstow. I was in between emotions. The night, a tube sock of doom. Well, probably just boredom. Also, that heat. It was the hinge of my life. Maybe, how do I know until the end what the middle was? And why not? That night in Barstow, the butt crack of California, in a Super 8 alone, reading a book of jinxy aphorisms found suffocating the Bible. Even the tiniest bolt must be screwed on tightly in order to perform its best, it said. And I needed comfort, but all I got was stuck on screwed, which is what I wanted but also how 
I felt that summer I did not move to Portland again. The summer of almost crabgrass choking the hyssop and sage with its homely greed. And who can blame crabgrass for seeing something beautiful and stepping on its throat? There are so many tiny murders. It's why hand jobs were invented. And I am a scientist inventing new ways to be lonely. I get bonuses every year. That year, July was pressing its mean heat to the door, listening for a heartbeat inside. And I thought, how wonderful to be wanted through all the meat straight to the marrow. And July said, yes. July said, whatever it is you are thinking, I am thinking too. So I tore off my clothes to get closer. The book of aphorisms yelling, if we can reduce our desires, there is nothing really worth getting upset about. But I don't like being told what to do. And out of spite, started wanting everything I saw. Popcorn ceilings, unremovable hangers, stains of strangers' failures. The room shrugged. The shag carpet yawned and swallowed my name. I was trying to get the exclamation marks in there. I don't know if I did it. I don't know if I did it justice. They were exclamatory. They were definitely exclamatory. Well yeah. done, Jason. You'll have, you'll have to look at the listeners. Go to the go to the website and take a look so you know what I was doing with the exclamation marks. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, the night a tube sock of doom. There are so many tiny murders. It's why hand jobs were invented. Mm-hmm. That surprise, like that, that just like took me, took me places. <laughs> yeah. And who can blame, blame crabgrass for seeing something beautiful than stepping on its throat? That's the one I ended yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's great. Wow. Um, Is handjob gender neutral yet? Handjob? I don't think so. Is, is handjob gender neutral yet or still only something you give to dudes? I think it's a dude thing, but I don't know. I'm old, okay. right? So it could be. Uh, yeah, I was like thinking like. Dude. It could be, a woman but I don't think it is used for women. Yeah. Well, <laughs> listeners, <laughs> listeners, please weigh in. <laughs> <laughs> what is the word for women? I mean, I can think of them, but I'm not going to say that. Okay. Um, is there too many? I mean, in general, I'm digging this poem. Right. But I ask you almost rhetorically, but not really. I want an answer. Do we have too many images? We're in the bedroom and then we're with crabgrass and then we're giving hand jobs and then we're remembering a July and we're naked, and, you know, and then we're back in the room that we've got the Bible aphorisms. It's, it's kind of all over the place. I, I don't mind the places it goes, but it is, it is. Well, I, what I like, what it, Good. I'm sorry, Jason. I was just going to say, for me, the images, like, one, one way to read it would be that they're all over the place. Another way is to see them as, like, imbricated. They're, like, one on top of the other, uh-huh. kind of like the aphorisms suffocating the Bible. It's like the book on top of the book, right? So the way that the images get stacked in the poem, they feel sort of, like, discreet and connected, like, dis- dis- disparate and and um, surprising in their proximity to each other. So it doesn't feel too loosely chaotic. It feels like a really tight fist of frustration, which kind of sounds like a hand job. Anyway. Things are connected for sure. 
you know, I'm just, yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 well, like I, I, the, the ride. Yeah, I, I like the way that it also keeps, like, sort of refusing the drama, right? So, like, I mean, we have this kind of opening that has this reference to um, Dante, right? In the middle of my life, right? Mm-hmm. I found myself in the forest. And it's like, I don't know what the middle of my life is. And, like, the tube sock of doom <laughs> is, is so funny and silly. And then it just gets downgraded to boredom. Mm-hmm. And, like, everything that keeps kind of, like, trying to rise up to this like incredible universal magnitude and significance just keeps getting downgraded <laughs> to um, kind of inconsequential. And and that's that's kind of what I really love about the poem is mm-hmm. that like the sort of keeps like pushing back against this melodrama of consequentiality and kind of being like, yeah, <laughs> maybe not. Popcorn ceilings, <laughs> unremovable hangers. <laughs> yeah. I think that's part of the excla- like the fun of the exclamation too, right? Is right. the banality, the utter banality of the thing that's being, you know. Well, right. Through. I mean, and that's what she's saying. She's wanted out of out right. of spite, started wanting everything I saw, and then she wants things that are pretty terrible, things that we make fun of, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Popcorn ceilings and removable hangers, mm-hmm. and that which goes to stains of strangers' failures. Right? And like Jason, there's no benevolence in this hotel, right? Right. That's what I like. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I like that these like um, you know if we can reduce our desires, there's nothing really worth getting upset about. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, if you just don't want civilization to exist, why be upset about nuclear war? <laughs> like if you just don't want to have like you know human rights, why be upset about the Rohingya? Right? Like I mean, I I love pushing back against sort of like how this fake profundity is um, actually fake. Mm. Mm-hmm. crack of California and even the hinge of my life I like that too it was the hinge of my life maybe how do I know until the end what the middle was right so what I really love about that is the way it goes right back to that first seemingly thrown away first line I was in between emotions right and then you can just like cast your eye down this poem on the the cracks the in-betweens the maybes right like it's really tightly orchestrated right the sort of like the, the the net of images and words that sort of link back into this ennui, right? The in-betweenness, the, and it's not even like, it's not quite ambivalence, right? It's not like it's like two yeah. you know, desires in two directions. It is straight up static, right? Like in the, yeah. in the middle, there, in the, in, in the crack and then being swallowed, right? By the shag carpet. <laughs> well said. What sweet hell the super eight proposes. <laughs> uh, don't you guys um, really love that last line too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The shag yeah. yawned and swallowed my name. Mm-hmm. What a great way to end it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause it, it's like, it's like the final, I mean, it, it, I mean, intuitively it's just perfect, but then if you sort of like, try to put it into words that, that the significance is being eliminated, right? That like the banality of, you know, like we want like the name to be significant and important and lasting and it just mm-hmm. gets swallowed by shag carpet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> oh. Like, after all the imagery and like this sort of 
internal struggle with aphorisms and the Bible and crabgrass and beauty and hand jobs. It's like you're in a super eight and the shag carpet swallows your name and nothing really matters. And, you know, it's just sort of generally apathetic. That's what I get from that. Yeah, Joseph, I hear you. It's like the Super 8 in Barstow is is a perfect hellscape, right? Yeah. And it's just shag carpet. What was <laughs> for, the, for miles. the butt crack of California? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I like how brash and blunt the imagery is, too. It's like a lot of imagery, but it's not particularly pretty imagery, per se. It's just like... Mm-hmm. What's the word? Like, it's it's very out there. I don't know. Are, are we doing it a disservice if we say we're ready to vote? No, I think we're good to go. Let's do it. And we're unanimous. Yeah. The poem is in. So thank you so much, um, Aaron, Adir, Hodges, for In Barstow. Woohoo! I love when we accept them. Um, After that lovely lost in space moment. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I was thinking about, do you remember the lost in space remixes when the movie came out with like Matt LeBlanc and there were like all those like dance remixes of the lost in space theme? Yeah. I was like, I don't know. They they came up the other day and I was like, I was really missing them. Like they were really awesome. I need to listen to that immediately. Totally. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Immediately. Cool. Well, to find it, there's a link for us, Joseph. We'll put a link for our listeners. Yeah. Yes. Some of those. Um, how about if I read this one? Does anybody mind? Yes, yes, yes. Do mm. it, do it, do it. Okay. Please this, do. This is Aaron Adir Hodges, The Last Judgment. The Last Judgment. I come to you in all seriousness. Reverent as a turtleneck, I am graceless, but I am not depraved. I went to synagogues for a year because I had lost God and was trying to find him. Following clues with my comically oversized magnifying glass held up to my giant eye. Lashes collapsing like jaws, grilling congregants under the naked light bulb of my longing. I kept just missing him. He went that away. Maybe I wanted to be Jewish, to be done with Jesus, but not yet break up with God, as if moving into the guest room, but leaving my clothes in the other closet, that version of myself a hallway away. I am the ghost of the house I live in. Old me phantoms surround, fuck around with the furniture, make all the mirrors tell the truth. One night I have a dream my husband leaves and the nightmare part is that I'm relieved and so I finally see who I am. It's not that I got used to loneliness, only that it was too late to learn anything else. The first time a man touched me, it was to lower me into the water and raise me out. New fish, the sin picked clean. I was saved, as if I could be spent. Saved. I saved myself for God, or if not God, then a man God sent, posing us toward each other in a desert diorama, his holy homework. But the first two boys I loved are dead. So at night, I give myself to them, unzip the hollows, usher them into the pitch, 
the books inside me are blank. I birth the boys as my son, whom I love and whom I try to forgive. Wow. Great reading, Kathleen. Thank you. Somebody find me a job where I can just do that all day. Just read <laughs> wonderful, <laughs> delicious words. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the job you have? <laughs> that, like... Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> uh-huh. You get to do it an awful lot, don't I? <laughs> Remind me, when this was over, I was just at the University of Vermont speaking to Major Jackson's class, and somebody asked me, well, I'll just tell you, since I'm saying you guys keep thinking about this poem, but someone said, how do you feel about reading others' words? Are you ever... I, I don't think she, it was a girl and she was saying, I don't think I could do that. I don't know if I could trust myself to read somebody else's words. I, I don't know if I could do it. And I thought that was really interesting. How do you feel? And I was like, I love reading other people's words. Feed me words. Did, did she mean out loud? Or yeah, yeah. She was talking about, <laughs> about out loud, right? I was like, primarily okay. talking about the podcast and she was asking how it feels to read people's poems mm-hmm. on the podcast. So, and I thought that was interesting. I've never really thought about it that much. I, I truly am so, I don't know, what's the word? Uh, I just love to do it. I'm just totally selfish and brazen and love the sensuous experience of reading delicious words. Well, I, I guess it's probably, it's probably also a technological thing, right? That like, it's so much easier to hear poets now. Like it never, I mean, it used to be if you wanted to hear a poet, you had to like track down some like creaky VHS cassette or you had to like get some, you know, 20th century poets reading their poems. And you know, you exactly. get like, you know, some like and you get 1880s. Yeah. Right. And now, and now it's, you know, I mean, poem a day, like in the New Yorker, yeah. like you can hear that person read them to you directly. So, I mean, I guess they have like right. a different, it's more like, they, it's like a cover. It's like the difference between like the concept of a cover band and like getting sheet music to find the new work. Yeah. Right. But the, but I'm, I'm with Kathleen on this too. Like I think one of the chief pleasures of doing the work we do with PBQ is that this process, right? So one of the things we've done for years, right, is before we make a decision about a poem, we read it. We read it once, we'll read it out loud twice, right? And it's just like an absolute given in this editorial process, right? Yeah. And well, it's, it, it yeah. is such a good, and you forget, it's also a freaking delight. Like, it's a delight to do that when the poems are, like, spacious and gorgeously constructed and basically teach you how to read them as the words are coming out of your mouth, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyway, now, now, let's talk about uh, this poem. It's... The search for for God, um, you know, she she says uh, reverent as a turtleneck in the beginning, and the whole poem has this kind of for me this beautiful um, irreverence, and it's I don't know, and 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 it's. To, to compare, I don't know, the naked light bulb of my longing, uh, leaving my clothes in the other closet. Maybe I want to be Jewish. Maybe I wanted to be Jewish, to be done with Jesus, but not yet break up with God. 
Wowza. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And I, yeah. and I really didn't expect every, everywhere we go toward the end, you know. Um, the that's, where, that's where I was going to jump in, Kath, and say, like, in the sort of third to last stanza, right? Yeah. I was saved as if I could be spent, saved. I saved myself for God, or if not God, then a man God sent, posing us toward each other in a desert diorama, his holy homework, right? Like, you know, here we are at the end of the poem, and it's got such energy with these the images and the sort of, like, almost like syllogism of this right like the sort of if then of it and then and then you find out this but the first two boys i loved are dead right so at night i give myself to them like this this a different kind of haunting and ghosting and um contemplation of the infinite and abandoned into like love and forgiveness right like it's it's a very strange and artfully crafted set of steps that get you to this last line. I birthed the boys as my son, whom I love and who I try and whom I try to forgive. Wow. Yeah. That's a really good ending. It's really disturbing. I mean, can you imagine being raised by a mother who's trying to forgive you for being the people she loved who died? Mm -hmm. That's terrifying. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what is up with you, Jason? <laughs> what? Like, didn't we all read I it that way? I find it terrifying. I find it beautiful. <laughs> whom I Ooh. love and whom I try to forgive. She loves that son, for God's sake. It's all good. I don't know. Who I try, I try to forgive. I like, mean, that's you hard. Right. That's conditional, 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 right? Like that is, that, that comes across as like hewing really close to some truth there about the yeah. relationships between mothers and sons, right? Which it, you know, ultimately it is love, but it's, it, it's, it is love. It's a, it's a kind of work, right? And, and grace and whoa, <laughs> that's a, there's a new emotion. Well, and a kind of anger. Right. Or maybe it's, you know what, it's an old emotion, but the image is new in a way that Tim Fitz would perhaps enjoy. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, what, I, what I like about it is that that's where the Christian sort of enters, mm -hmm. right? That like mm -hmm. foundational to Christianity, but not Judaism is the, is the idea of original sin, right? That, that, that one is born into this kind of, uh, I mean, Jews are born into a covenant, right? right. Christians right. are born into a sin and have to be forgiven and have to like find their way through right. faith into salvation. And so like for the child to be born, like in need of forgiveness, um, right. it, it, it feels like that kind of like pulls the whole theological piece back together. Well, but it's also on the point of resurrection as well, right? So mm -hmm. like death yeah. becomes life, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's folded into that image as well. So you're, uh, yeah. That's as is baptism. That's why one gets baptized is to erase that original sin. And, yeah. and she talks about her own baptism and she's, put herself in this position of forgiving this boy. I mean, obviously, right? We're all creatures. We're all made up of what we've been through. So, of course, she's going to project other relationships onto the sun. Like, she can't. There's mm -hmm. we, we do, whether we're conscious of it or not, right? Yeah. She's only got, you know, she's looking at him through her lens, and that's it. 
And she still loves those boys, I think. I don't think she... Of course. Yeah. That's why she, that's why she brought them back into being. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, so I, on a flight recently, saw um, Casey Affleck in that uh, ghost story. Oh, yeah. I didn't oh, see that. It's it, it's like a ghost story, a classic ghost story meets Interstellar, right? The recent film Interstellar from a couple of years ago, right? Like you get this sort of like death and resurrection and then also, uh, you know, time, space, continuum, go, right? Um, but he's basically walking around the film wearing a, a bed sheet and it's right. kind of more, it, it is miraculous in the, the sort of epic story it tells in this really small scale, um, you know. How long is that movie? Because I, I, I read about it when it came out and I really wanted to go see it. I, well, I don't know. Is it like, is it like full plane? length? It, it is full length, but right. then again, I saw it on a plane. Okay. And you know, with these with these sort of like flights in the Middle East, they cut out all the dirty bits. So I don't know, like I uh, might be missing. There might have been right. a whole bunch of like ghost sex that I didn't see. But um, yeah. but what I did see felt a little bit like this moment of I am a go- I am the ghost of the house I live in. Right, old me phantoms yeah. around, walk around with the furniture. Like that is that is really the premise of that film as well. And the delight in the film is again this sort of like epic sweep about time and life and God and forgiveness. Right, all of that sort of um, mashed into this very small um, tale of a of a of a broken hearted beloved person. Right. Um, so yeah which takes us back into this poem that she calls The Last right. Judgment. So there's a, yeah. you know, that's a pretty epic title, <laughs> yeah. right? For, for the poem, you know? So I don't know how you all feel about that, but it's, it's bold. It's, and I think that's something Joseph said earlier. It's bold, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she, I mean, you know, I, I, I kind of, I'm always the one who gets angry when people look at the other poem, but we looked at the other poem by her. Um, the way she does have like a sense of humor about this very serious stuff, you know, the, the reverent as a turtleneck comically oversized magnifying glass. Right. And, and you really do see somebody with like the Sherlock Holmes giant magnifying glass looking for God, you know, I, I, that's what I mean. Fuck around with the furniture, make all the mirrors, tell the truth. Her, her, um, sense of wit or I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm trying to say but I like a yeah. light bit of humor uh, through these very serious poems. Yeah but I, I think that's it Kathy there's there, um, like the scale it's like the juxtaposition like this epic topic but then these these sort of like comedy cartoonish images that actually capture the emotion she's yeah. after and it's, it's just really, you know, it's surprising the way she lands the, the I'm going to say punchline, but I don't really mean punchline, like, but that's the beauty of the comedy yeah. and the image in it, you know? Yeah. Do you want to vote? I think we vote. I, I think we vote, unless somebody wants to read it again. <laughs> <laughs> um... I just, uh, that was a really smart idea. Um, I'm going to vote for Jason. Jason just sent me his vote. And here's mine. <laughs> this is funny. I'm, I'm missing my, I'm holding my thumb up in spirit. <laughs> it's so weird to not hold my thumb up. I'm doing it. And guess what? 
there was mm. no dramatic um, tension <gasps> in today's episode. No it's in. No. You know, yes, again. Oh my goodness, Aaron Adair Hodges. Thank Hodges. you. So I just yeah. I just looked up Aaron Adair Hodges, and she yeah. actually won my favorite poetry prize, which is she. Yeah, she won the she won the Agnes Lynch Starrett um, first book prize from the University Yay. of Pittsburgh. And yeah, so now I can go read it. I'm pretty excited. I love that's, that series. That's really wonderful. 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 So glad yeah. we have these poems in PBQ. What a thrill! Yeah. What a thrill! What an honor! This is amazing. What a great day! We've we accepted <laughs> two poems. We decided to go to Disney World. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. We decided not to take Jason. We're not. Get, we're not. We're neither taking Jason nor shrooms nor going naked. Those three things are not happening. <laughs> I love when we've made decisions towards. Uh, decisions are good. Good. It's good to do them. Good. They're good to do. <laughs> decisions. Well, we do have a couple minutes. If anybody has anything they would like to share quickly about anything they're enjoying right now, only positive thoughts, please. <laughs> Um, then I'm out. I, uh, <laughs> I <have nothing> <laughs> read it. Anybody writing anything good lately? See any films? Mary, you want to hey, see? Hey, no. Uh, you know what? Um, the Dead Sea mud? I, okay, so that happened. I got to go to the Dead Sea and float around in the Dead Sea, and then you step out, and then you spackle this mud on yourself, and then you, like, pose for selfies. <laughs> so um, that's a thing, right? So I woke up at seven o'clock in the morning and I was like, I'm going to go super early when nobody's there and I'm floating around in the Dead Sea. And I'm like, I feel really lucky to be here. And I look over to my left and there's a woman floating in the Dead Sea with a selfie stick. So she's taking selfies in the Dead Sea. Yes. Yes. It was amazing. And so wait, and then I have to tell you this part. We also went to Petra, um, which is the site of this extraordinary archaeological um, uh uh, it's, a, it's a destination, right? There's this um, a, a treasury that's sort of carved out of redstone from more than 2,000 years ago, and it's just staggering, right? And um, anyway, so we're there, and we go at night. So we walk down this long, beautiful um, stone alleyway with these lights lit, and you know the the, the little you know trifold mailer we got said, "Don't use your cell phones. Try to walk in the dark to experience um, what it was like for the Hashemites, right? To to be in this place, and then you walk into this sort of open space, and they have it all lit with these beautiful candles, and then you see this treasury carved in the stone. It's supposed to be gorgeous, and everybody's got their cameras out and everybody's flashing pictures and it is, it was staggering like how disruptive that felt and kind of like, um, like really agitating because I think it was like a clear moment where I wanted to be sort of like with people in the dark, <laughs> do you know yeah, what I mean? No. Like have an experience together, and everybody was going, "Nope, I'm doing this by myself. I'm going to have yeah. this experience and post it." And there was this one dude who honestly stood in front of everybody as close as he could to the treasury, and then took selfies of himself with a flash for the like entirety of this like 45 minute show about um, the Nabateens and the you know the peoples who built this thing. I mean, it was it was the most bizarre, disturbing, and yet delightful three cheers for humankind moment ever. So I give yeah. you that. So go to Petra, ladies and gentlemen, and leave your damn cell phones at home. Go to Petra. They should maybe, Don't maybe. take selfies. Yes. 
phones are bizarre. Write someone and say, like, call for 10 minutes of phones down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. a certain moment of respect of well, phones do down. I tell you, there was, so the, the tour guide did the thing, did, did his best to manage it, right? So he was like, okay, everybody, please stop taking pictures, stop, put your phones down, put your phones down, right? And then at one point he was like, okay, on three, right? We're going to go one, two, three, and everybody takes a picture at the same time. And he tried to sort of like organize it. And that felt really joyful because on three with the flashes, the whole thing lit up. In yeah, this, like, sure. Otherworldly, glorious <laughs> light. You know, so that was right. cool. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think you try to control it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Good. No, oh, I, I just thought M Butterfly. Oh yeah? Oh no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to uh, uh, but like but like people don't know how to be in an audience. The person next to me was That's checking right. his Apple watch <laughs> no. during the show. And it's like no. I can see a bright light that is detracting mm-hmm. my head. And then like there's there's a scene where where a character is nude and the woman behind me was like has apparently never seen a naked man in her life <laughs> and, was just like, oh, 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 oh. and it was like this is a mo- this is a moment of vulnerability and you're like making this some kind of like amusing like sex joke is just like i'm gonna turn around and like punch you and then i'm gonna be a terrible person too Right. You know, there. Yeah, but it's like, but it's true. But people do not know how to be in an audience because they are now taught mm-hmm. by, you know, the medium is the message. The social media is just turning everyone into an into a narcissistic psychopath. Listen, listen. At the um, <laughs> at the Helium Comedy Club, a comedy club, mm-hmm. where people are drinking and being boisterous. They take your cell phone when you come in. You have to yeah. get your cell phone. And, um, and I'm sure it's so that you're not repeating jokes, so that you're not videoing the comedian, um, what that kind of thing, you know, but I found it fascinating that that doesn't happen at the theater, you know, or, or, you know, other places have been where I'd rather people weren't, uh, using right. their phone and that it happened right. at a comedy club, but I think it's great, you know, um, anyway, uh, yeah. So, Marion, do you feel different? I'm just wondering. Oh, oh, from having floated in the Dead Sea? Yeah. Well, yes. And I'll tell you why. And I know we're running a little bit late here, but we went. To- Did we lose Marion? I lost Marion right at the moment when she was going to tell us yeah. she about Jesus. Oh, okay. Wow. She's not coming back. All right. So listeners, there's a reason to listen to the next episode. (laughs) Tune in next time when you'll hear Marion Wren say. (laughs) Marion can tell us about seeing Jesus. Something profound happened. Oh my goodness. Right. Okay. Well, we were looking for dramatic tension in the poems and we didn't get it there, but we got it. um, And with our editorial staff. So that's pretty cool. Um, I'm going to ask our listeners to please um, uh, share this podcast with others. Tell us what you're thinking. We really want to know what you're thinking. Um, I have a I have a direct question for you, listeners. What would you think of an episode where many people whose work we've discussed all get together in this manner and talk about what it felt like? what the experience was like for them. What do you think of that? Let us know. Jason, do you like that idea? 
I love that idea. I actually really, okay. really love that idea. I think it wouldn't be that hard to organize, you know, and, um, and I do, we've gotten so much wonderful, wonderful response from our wonderful, generous authors that I, I do believe that we should be able to swing something like that. So I still want to hear from the audience. So let us know, follow us on all platforms, keep reading. We love you. See you next time. Bye.